This hour of gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. How could they do that to us? How could the Toronto Maple Leafs lose on Sunday to the Chicago Blackhawks 5-3? Yes, I know, I know. It's a 3-3 game late, and Chicago scores, and you got the empty netter, and the first line, no-show, Samsonoff, not great, clearly still dealing with illness. But it was such a Debbie Downer, because think about like like where we were all headed for our family day Monday, where we were just going to celebrate Ryan O'Reilly's a Maple Leaf. How cool is that? I mean, I was working, the, but whatever. Yeah, oh, well, were you working? By the way, I should do the full uh, introduction. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. It is brought to you by FanDuel. Better know your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I'm Matthew Cosset, voice you heard, producer Nick McVicker. Nick, what, what were you doing? Because that happened like at 11 o'clock on uh, on Friday. Oh, that was the Leafs-Montreal game, yeah. No, that was Saturday. Uh, no, oh, I was, was I was working Monday. You said you said everyone was doing all these family days. Right. I was working. Right, that's that. That's right. That's right. You were you were working golf. Golf talk. I mean, golf Canada. talk. Canada. We're hanging out. <laughs> well, I was the only one in the studio, but we were hanging out. Yeah. Tiger Woods, you know, making the cut. Canadians plummeting each and every day after the first day. But uh, so you, you have this cool news, and and just you know everyone's talking about it. So we'll 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 hold off on going fourteen straight minutes in it. But overall, it is a good deal. You're paying 25% of the salary. The time to win is now. That first-round pick is going to be somewhere between 24 and 26. There is no professional sports team in North America that has more pressure to go on a long playoff run than the Maple Leafs, and I'm including every sport on this list. Uh, Cowboys might be up there. Cowboys won the Super Bowl in the 1990s. I know, but still that fan base, man. They're, they're almost as crazy yeah, as Leafs. They've had playoff wins. They've won the division. They've had moments. The Leafs have it since 04. But, uh, yes, if you were going to do a list of the top five, maybe you throw the Cowboys in there. But, yeah, you had this this great signing. Another captain, Felino, didn't work. Giordano's working great. Acquiring Ryan Ryan O'Reilly? We'll see. And then they go and they win on Saturday against Montreal. Like, oh, it's coming. It's coming. And then they lose on Sunday to the Blackhawks. And it just it takes just a tiny... Just a, uh, just a little bit of the shine off of it on everyone's first show back here on Tuesday at TSN. But uh, where were you, like, at 11 o'clock when it happened? I mean, uh, I was uh, my girlfriend was away, so I was, uh, I forgot what TV show. I was, just, I was basically just watching shows I know she didn't want to watch while drinking wine I knew she didn't want to drink. So that, that was sounds my about Friday. right for you, Maddie. <laughs> yeah, that does. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 I'm trying yeah. to think of what I was doing. I think I had just gotten home. I went out to I went out for a drink with somebody and or no that was Thursday I don't know anymore. <laughs> By the way, my I was days thinking, are all jumbled poll? together. I have no clue. Yeah, do we put a poll question? Is today Monday or Tuesday? How many times in your brain? Uh, well, maybe not you. you were working <laughs> I yesterday. worked yesterday, so for me it's yeah, definitely so let, Tuesday. <laughs> let me take that back. For you, it's Tuesday. For me, it's like it's like Mon Tuesday. Monday Monday plus. Monday Plus, which sounds like a new streaming service that we'll need after what's going on with Netflix. Actually, I don't even know if I get Netflix because I've been away all weekend. I've been away since uh, Saturday, since Sunday morning, so I've been away. But uh, 
But yeah, like uh, so, so th- I mean, that is the biggest news. Leafs taking on the Buffalo Sabers tonight, uh, and you can hear that game on TSN ten fifty. I think we're all fascinated by just that second line. Is it going to continue to be Ryan O'Reilly at center? Is it Tavares on the wing? Do they try to beef up the bottom wings uh, lines more? Uh, the one, the other great part about this deal was it happened so you know you have a couple weeks or so excuse me you have a, a full week before the NHL trade deadline. It gives Sheldon Keefe and the coaching staff more time to figure out what is the best role for O'Reilly. And well, it happened uh, and, two weeks uh, before the deadline, Matty. The deadline's March third, so we have this week and next week. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, we do have two more weeks. Two full I thought weeks. I heard, uh, yeah, so that that gives you two more weeks. It was a good Ardubis. Good deal. This was a good deal. Uh, you know, and it's all in time now for uh, for for the squad. We'll play a little bit later some of the um, some of the Kyle Dubis sound, but. I want to get into more of a bigger picture issue going on with the NBA. And no, this is not really about the All-Star game and is the subject of my opening thought. Time now for Matt's opening thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? And here we go. I mean, it's really nothing more than a self-absorbed monologue, a chance for Matt to rant about something and pretend he's a serious radio personality instead of a gas bag. Let's face it, he stole this idea from Dennis Miller. Now, I don't want to get off on a rant here. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! So I was debating what to do with my opening thought when I heard from the Nuggets head coach, Michael Malone, and then listening to the young star, Anthony Edwards. And we'll play that sound in a second. The NBA All-Star Game was a complete mess. Team Giannis beat Team LeBron 184-175. If you were unaware of it, that's fine. The game didn't look like basketball. Both teams shot 60% or better. And and let's hear the guy who was coaching. I don't even know which team he was coaching out. It means nothing to me. But the Denver Nuggets head coach, Michael Malone, had this to say about the All-Star game. It's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players. But that is the worst basketball game ever played. I don't know if you can fix it. You know, I mean, I give Joel Embiid, Kyrie Irving, those guys were like competing. Joel was imploring some of the guys to play harder, to try to get some defense in, but no one got hurt. They put on a show for the fans, but that that is a tough game to sit through, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it'd be great if you were watching it live, I guess, but on TV, meh. But, but that really is the smaller story going on in the NBA. Hey, it's an all-star game. It wasn't great. Wake me up next year when we discuss this again, whether it's about basketball, hockey, the goofy Pro Bowl, the home run contest. These are evergreen stories. We bring them up every year. It's the same conversation, the same headline. They they don't really have that much real-world consequence. But there is a massive issue going on in basketball, and it's players not playing. It's star players skipping out on games. It's about the fan base starting not to trust going to games fans maybe i'm not going to go and grab nba i'm not going to go grab uh, whatever streaming service i used to get my nba you know uh whether it's the uh, uh, center ticket whatever the hell it's called because i don't know if i'm going to be able to see my favorite players play and it's why there was a quote by anthony edwards a young star second year player with the minnesota timberwolves and this quote is getting so much attention so anthony edwards a young guy was asked uh, what's you know if you had to pick anything to fix about the NBA right now, what would it be? 
If there's anything I could change about the league to make it better, probably just all the guys sitting resting. That's the only thing I probably don't like. Um, just play, man. If you, if you, if you, if you, eighty percent, you got to play. I, I don't, I don't like all the sitting, missing games and stuff like these people. These people might have enough money to come to one game. You know what I'm saying? And it, that might be the game they come to, and then you sitting out. You know what I'm saying? So I take pride in trying to play every game because I don't know. It might be one fan that has never seen me play, and I'm trying to play. So I don't. That's the only thing I don't like. Uh, guys just sitting out. That is a hell of a quote. That's usually something to hear from Charles Barkley, but not a guy not even old enough to rent a car in the United States. And this is a big deal because the NBA and the Players Association, they're chatting right now about a new CBA. Both sides are hopeful they'll get a deal done by next month. But what's the one thing they're going to be worrying about? It's about how to get star players to play more games. Is it about player eligibility for postseason awards? Will it now be tied in to the number of games a specific player played during the regular season? There's a lot of money out there for players who make first, second, or third NBA all-star teams. It's a big deal. This could lead to a bit of a war. And by the way, here are the numbers. In the 1970s, Bill Walton was the only MVP to play fewer than 80 games in the 80s. So 90% of the award winners in the 70s played 80 games or more. In the 80s, that went down to 70%, played 80 contests or more. But in the last 10 years, the last 10 years, only four of the NBA's MVP reached even 80 games. So this is all about the players. The players are lazy, right? Maybe not. Steph Curry pushed back saying, no, 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 no. When we don't play, that's training staffs. That's sports science. That's coaches, GMs, owners. C.J. McCollum, Pelicans guard, who's the president of the union, came out and said players want to play every time, but they're often advised against it. So now we got a PR war. Who do you believe? But here's the problem. There is no solution. Last week, the Associated Press asked 48 players, coaches, owners, and executives, should the NBA abandon its 182-game, 170-day blueprint of a regular season for something that has either fewer games or make the season go longer to allow more rest? 40% said they would go with whatever. 35% said they don't want anything changed. 25% says they want change. You know what that says to me? No one has any idea. Michael Malone, the owner of the Nugget, or the coach of the Nugget, excuse me, said, yeah, I love that idea, but you're going to lose a lot of TV, buddy. Steve Kerr says, I love 72 games. Giannis Antetokounmpo says, I hate 72 games. I think 82 is perfect. So here's the problem. No one is aligned with anyone else about what to do here because this problem is so intricate. By the way, for anyone out there pining for Michael Jordan at the age of 40, playing 82 games, averaging 37 minutes a night, we're never getting that again. We are never getting that again. And part of the problem is is the way the game is played. The three-point line is so critical now. that you know what that means? Players are being asked to do more, cover more ground. The amount of mileage on today's NBA player is way more than in the 90s. Listen, I'm 47. I, I, I think I probably preferred the game back in the 90s and the early 2000s. I grew, that's what I grew up on. 
So it's going to be a sweet spot. What did I watch when I was 15? Yeah, you, you, you bet that that's going to be the basketball that I miss. But I'm honest enough to admit, they didn't play defense the way they did then than now. Was it more physical then? Yes. But we're not talking about physicality. We're talking about the amount of miles every player is running because they got a guard from the paint to the three-point line and the stress that puts on ankles, toes, feet, hammies, legs, knees, hips, you name it. Positionless basketball. Everyone's switching, switching, switching. That means players are running faster, covering more mileage. So we're always going to see these injuries. And then let's get to the bigger issue here. Maybe the biggest issue and the problem we're going to have with players resting. Who cares about the regular season? We always get into this debate, and fans are guilty. Media, we are absolutely guilty. Because all we concern ourselves with is rings, championships. Well, if you want to make the regular season more important, if you want to put the onus on players playing every night, don't we need to find a way to make the regular season more important? Adam Silver came out and said, yeah, I understand from a fan standpoint, especially those buying tickets to see, to go to games and players aren't playing. But then he said, quote, I don't have a good answer for that other than this is a deep league with incredible competition. Yikes. That's sorry, not sorry. And then Adam Silver went on to say the mindset of our teams and players these days is that they should be optimizing performance for the playoffs. The difficulties fans of that team, of those teams, want them to do that as well. So there's the issue. We want our team to go deep in the playoffs. We loved load management when it came to Kawhi Leonard, brought the Raptors a title. But if we care about championships and playoffs more than anything else, then aren't we partially to blame for the regular season not mattering? Aren't we partially to blame for a sports science department saying to Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, LeBron James, go sit your ass. We are fostering an environment where all we care about is the playoffs. So if all we care about it, why should we, why should anyone, players, team doctors, executives, why should they care about the regular season? Simple answer, because the fans are the ones who suffer. We need to try to find a way to make the regular season more important. And this is on all of us, because I feel bad for the fans that don't get to see the star players. It's going to lead to apathy. It's going to lead to people walking away from the NBA. That's why there is no simple solution. I don't know, give awards for most minutes. Make the first line of a player's bio not about championship games won, but how about regular season games won? We've got to try something, because right now the NBA is in trouble. And that is my opening thought. I'm finished. I hate the idea of players not playing games. I loved Anthony Edwards saying, get out there and play, but then am I a hypocrite? Because I loved what the Raptors' management and science department did with Kawhi Leonard, where they load-managed the crap out of him in the regular season, and then he's the only one taking shots in Game 7 against Philly, and we got the best out of him. It's a tough one there, Producer Nick, about how do we make the regular season important. You're right, and it's a tough one from that perspective, but I think the difference between what happened in Toronto with Kawhi and what we're seeing from players nowadays, Kawhi was coming off of a pretty bad injury, a pretty bad surgery. Yep, yep, right? no, you're right. He he was dealing with that when he came to Toronto. So for me, I look at it and I'm like, okay, 
that makes sense as to why you're load managing a guy because you're trying to make sure that a that surgery took properly and b that he's able to fully get into the game right these guys that we're seeing do these load managements now are like oh my leg's a little tight i'm not playing yeah oh, that's that's we're not schedu- we're scheduling rest yeah we're that's scheduling that's rest not the same time. thing in my in my mind so everyone always compares it to Kawhi cuz he was the first one to use the term load management but it's not the same like these are very different circumstances so then the question is what do you do do you make the season longer eliminate some of the back to backs i you, by the way the one thing that's you never going to happen you mean calendar days longer right like not, not days, more yes. games no 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 calendar yeah. days make the calendar longer right. so those 82 games are spread out a little more cuz one thing that's not going to happen what's not going to happen is we're going to go down from 82 games we're not going to go to 72 you're not going to lose 10 12% of gate revenue owners aren't going to go for that also will that mean less tv revenue well that means less money going to the players you think they're going to want to do that no like the top the top 20 players they're fine with it they make so much money what do they care but the majority of players, they want that money. They need that money. It's not going to happen. I don't blame them. <laughs> no, I don't, I, I, don't, I don't blame them either. Like, And the funny thing is, like, I was doing all this research on it, and Adam Silver said, uh, I don't know what to do, but, hey, our league's got lots of good players, so shut up. That's, in essence, what he was saying. And he kept saying, I don't know. And co- some coaches want this. Some executives want this. Some players want this. I feel bad for the players that actually do want to play every game, but they're being told, you're not playing tonight. You know, go sit on the bench. Because then they look soft. They look weak. They got to hear it from Barkley and other players that back in our day, we played every game. You're soft, you stupid millennial. Yeah, it's it's not a good situation to be in for the guys that are, I mean, I'm going to use the term healthy because they are healthy, that are being yep. told to sit, because it just yep. looks bad. It looks bad on the league as a whole, to be honest. It and does. That's, that's why we're in this spot. And, and you mentioned Adam Silver having to just say, yeah, I don't know. Well, Matt, could you put anybody in that situation and, and have them 100% have an idea? Like, no, there's no way. I don't think anyone right now could go in and be like, yes, this is the solution. We're doing this. Here's the solution for me. Make the calendar season a little bit longer. Two. I like that start idea. The, Two, start to tie in. Uh, you can't be an NBA first, second, or third team. And remember, contracts are tied in. There's incentives. Millions of dollars on the line unless you play set more than 70 games. I mean, can't win one sets, of the uh, major awards if you don't you play. You can't win one of the major awards. And then three, and this is the hardest part, what can we do as North American sports fans? What can we do as North American sports media to try to take some of the focus away from rings and championships and put it on, wow, did you see what that team did in the regular season? How do we celebrate the Seattle Mariners in 2001 winning 116 games? How do we celebrate that more? Yeah, but that's the thing. The only way that that's going to be celebrated is if you go and set a record, right? Like, we, we celebrated that Golden State Warriors team that, that broke the Bulls record. Yep, and they lost. And, and, and they, they lost. lost. But we still celebrate that team for what they did in the regular season, right? Yeah, maybe find a way to celebrate. So the it's Atlanta just hard because you got to get to you got to get to that record-setting pace in order to be celebrated for regular season across all sports. We need to celebrate the Atlanta Hawks in 2014-15. They won 60 games. They eventually got swept in the playoffs by LeBron. Yep. 
All right. It's a heavy topic. We've gone way heavy. I apologize. On the other side, we'll play the most compelling sound from Kyle Dubas about all things Ryan O'Reilly. Then David Alter is going to join the show, covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get you set for Leafs and Sabres. Coming up next, right here on Gameplay. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. Some Argonauts news. Enoch Mwamba, the Toronto Argonauts linebacker who won the Grey Cup MVP and most outstanding Canadian in the Grey Cup as Toronto, if you remember, beat Winnipeg, has re-signed with the Argonauts. So that is big, big news for the Double Blue. So they have wrapped him up for at least one year, 33 years old, only second player ever to win the most great cup, most outstanding player, and most outstanding Canadian award in the same great cup. By the way, starting today, NFL teams can designate their franchise or transition players. So keep an eye on Lamar Jackson, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Geno Smith. Oh, NFL intrigue is upon us. But the biggest news from the last couple of days, at least this part, was uh, uh, was a Carey and Ryan O'Reilly, Noella Carey. And by the way, am I saying it right? I've been saying it not even three close. Ways. No, no, no. So, sorry, how? Nope. I, I, keep, I keep saying it so many different ways. Achari. Achari. God damn it. Noel Achari. Yeah, Achari. That's an easy one. Like that's an e- like that. Even for me, Achari is an easy one. So they go get Achari and O'Reilly, give up a couple very low-level prospects, a first-rounder, a third-rounder, and a, and a second, plus the Minnesota Wild getting a fourth-round pick by the uh, the Maple Leafs, and uh, that was to help take and retain 25% of Ryan O'Reilly's uh, of his contract. And let's hear from Kyle Dubas on the message this trade sends to the team. We've talked about even going back to the press conference at the beginning of the year. I think that's the, the team, we've, we've been in the top five in the standings, and we're there again this year. When you're there, I mean, your goal, I think, has to be that you're trying to win, and, and if you're trying to win, you're trying to win the, the Stanley Cup. So there's, there's a lot of points along the way, and people will laugh at that and scoff at that, and that's fine. Uh, but, yeah, we're, we're, trying to, we're trying to win, and um, that's, that's the message. That's anything short of that, I think we'll all be disappointed. Oh, absolutely. This is an all-in move. You don't get rid of all those picks. And considering there's been a lot of picks the last couple of years they've had to get rid of, um, unless this is all-in, this is trying to win it all this year. Uh, O'Reilly, the, you know, we'll deal with it later. He's a UFA after this season. But a great playoff performer. You know as well as I what he did when the Blues won the Cup, where um, – He's a guy who scores more in the regular season, like by on a point by point, by a game per game basis in the postseason than he does in the regular season. But yeah, what are the chances Leafs can retain his services once this season is done? Four draft picks is a lot to give up for him and for Achari as well. But also, what this trade demonstrates is that Dubas and Shanahan. But I think we're over it by now. But they're not just fancy analytic fellas. Um, they're going for clutch grit leadership in the room. Well, I mean, you they know, still we, are, but <laughs> yeah. But I mean, going like if you were like, oh, the, they only care about small guys. No, you went out and got O'Reilly when just tenacious, hockey sense, impact both ends of the ice, work ethic, relentlessly going after the puck, physical. Maybe the biggest question though: Will Kyle Dubas be around to not draft players in the future as this team doesn't have a lot of first round picks? Over the next three, four years. Um, on the other side, let's uh, let, let's stick with the Leafs talk. We will. Uh, David Alter covers the team 
for Inside the Maple Leafs. We'll get uh, his thoughts on what this deal means for the Maple Leafs going forward and how much better how much better are the Maple Leafs today than they were at Friday at like 9 p.m.? We'll get on that soon right here on Gameplay. So many updates for tonight's Leafs-Sabres game, a game you can listen to right here on TSN 1050. Rasmus Sandin will not play tonight. He will sit again after his minor injury from the weekend. Connor Timmins will be in his place, and uh, Sheldon Keith confirming that. And Ilya Samsonov, first goalie off the ice at Leafs optional skate today. He is ready to go in Buffalo. Joining us now, you can follow him on Twitter at the very easy Twitter account, D Alter. It is Leafs reporter for SI. It is David Alter. David, thank you so much for joining the show today. You got it, Matt. What's going on? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, first off, like just... You know, Friday, it's 11 o'clock at night. Uh, did you know at that point you were about to get a gift from the content gods? Oh, wow. You know what? It's a good thing I'm older now, and I don't make a lot of plans on a Friday night. So, yeah, I guess uh, it just kind of <laughs> worked out. I know a lot of people got caught in a lurch, and uh, I was at the helm and ready. And um, when when stuff kind of came, it looked like it was pretty fast. But, uh, you know, the one thing Kyle Dubas has done uh, and has taken a page from Lou is that there's just no leaks for this kind of stuff. Like, I think I saw one sort of inkling like seconds before the Leafs put out the release of all the details, maybe just like seconds before. So there was no sniff of it whatsoever. And so that's something that Lou was always all about. Right. So when uh, Kyle Dubas took over uh, that, that was one of the hallmarks that he tried to kind of keep going. And to his credit, no one really got word of this until it was announced on Friday night. Well, let's just start here. Just your overall thoughts on the deal. Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari and four draft picks going uh, to either St. Louis or to the Minnesota Wild. O'Reilly UFA after this year. Just your Now that the deal, you've had a bunch of days to think about it, and the, and the players have already played two games, uh, just your initial impression of this deal. Yeah, I, to me, I think the most underrated part of it is the Nola Chari deal. Like I, I really felt that the Leafs needed improvement in the third line center spot. And you can call it the fourth line just based on where he is, or you could call it two third lines that Sheldon Keith has kind of talked about before, but Ryan O'Reilly, you kind of knew what they were getting. They did need a top six left winger. And I guess by, by default, they were able to move Tavares to the wing and kind of address that need. But the number one thing I felt they really needed help with, if they were going to have any success against the Tampas or the Bostons in the playoffs, is a hard-nosed, grind-em-out, third-line center that can really be difficult to the opposition, which the Leafs have not really had. And, and that's no disrespect to David Camp. It's just it's a lot to ask from David Camp with a very small sample size in the time that he's been here. Nolachari's done it. He's proven it. He's done it against the Leafs in, in that 18 and 19 Boston series. And, you know, Ryan O'Reilly is a big name that, that helps there. But I still want to see a little bit more to see how that kind of works out. But uh, for two pure rentals there, for what they gave up, I don't think they do that deal if it's just straight up Ryan O'Reilly. I do think that the center depth was a big part of this, and it's why the hall was kind of big for those two rental players, but it made sense because it was pretty clear from a forward standpoint that the center depth was lacking, especially when Austin Matthews got hurt, and there was some difficulty in that as well. They really needed to shore that up, and I think they hit a home run in that regard, regardless of 
the, the hall that goes back the other way, that's going to be quite a thin draft. And so that might be a problem down the road. But for this year, I think it's exactly what they needed to do. So then on the ice, and again, joined by Leafs reporter David Alter, uh, your thoughts about the deployment where having Tavares move to the wing and having Ryan O'Reilly as the second-line center, we're all sort of speculating, well, those of us like yourself and me that were home on Friday night, um, you know, would it be O'Reilly would become the third-line center and you would just boost the bottom six? But uh, right now through two games, there's Sheldon Keefe going, nope, we want to make that second line as dangerous as we can. Uh, your thoughts in, in, admittedly, a very small, small sample size. Yeah, and it's tough, too, because these guys have not practiced, and even though they had an optional skate here in Buffalo, it's not really a practice. And uh, I guess our first one will be on Thursday to kind of work things out. But through some of the games, I think it's been okay. I think you can see where Ryan O'Reilly's creating ability is going to be helpful. And um, just establishing that chemistry and having played with those guys on the world stage before will really help. Um, it, it can be better. I, I think if you look at some of the underlying analytics, there might have been some kind of downplay in terms of the way they looked, particularly against Chicago, but that was a tired game. So it's kind of really hard to judge from those two games. But uh, I, I see it as a situation where it can only improve. John Tavares held court with the media not too long ago and was kind of talking about how, you know, he hasn't really played a lot at the left wing. And so that's going to be a bit of an adjustment to him, but he's looking to embrace that. And this is something that a lot of people who were calling for Tavares to kind of move around when his play was dipping a bit at even strength last year, were kind of hoping for this kind of move. And so um, there's a real good opportunity for him to continue to adapt his game and to kind of look at what Steven Stamkos did when he moved to the wing and, and was able to help that team get to the promised land of a couple of cups. So uh, I think there's a lot of potential there, and that line looks really good. Of course, like I said before, the Achari thing, I think once they got him, it was pretty clear that O'Reilly was going to be in that top six mix because of how many centers that they had and, you know, right. David Camp wasn't going to be moved around, so I, I think it looks really good in that regard. Yeah, just quick on Camp, I, I think it's better you move him down. It puts him in a better position to succeed. It's like in football when you have like when your top two receivers get injured, and now you expect your number three guy to be a number one. It's asking too much. I think it's the same kind of thing with David Camp. Um, moving over to the guy responsible for all of this, someone who doesn't have a contract after this year, and Kyle Dubis. Does a deal like this, again, uh, uh, once again, help get away from the notion that Shanahan and Kyle Dubas are just analytically driven, give us, you know, speedy, small guys with great uh, underlying numbers? Because this is another deal, and it's something as Ryan O'Reilly. He can produce. He can score. But these are also deals that were done to get uh, more toughness and grit on the ice and in the locker room. Yeah, I, I think the Leafs have done a pretty good job since 2020 realizing that just kind of going all in on one approach doesn't really work and that they have to kind of find different elements. Like in 2020 when they had Tyson Berry and they had everyone who was just great analytically on numbers that didn't necessarily work and they were going to try and bring different guys 
that that brought a different element. Now, sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. Nick Salino was a little bit different than someone who was supposed to bring toughness and leadership. And because of injuries that took place in, in that series with Montreal, it didn't go the Leafs' way. And so in 2022, they looked at some of the other things. But Mark Giordano was, of course, an analytics darling and kind of fit and, and made sense here. So here they got guys that they're just familiar with that were very difficult to play against. Um, and I think that they just needed people with a bit of a mean streak and to kind of shake things up a little bit. So it is an acknowledgement there, but I don't think it's too different than some of the adjustments the Leafs have made since Kyle yeah. Dubas was able to kind of see in 2020 that the all-in analytical one-way approach is not the way to go. Oh, yeah, and as you said, we've seen this in some of the moves, and you mentioned Giordano, and before that, you know, Felino, which, again, was a failure. Were you, by the way, we surprised that Dubas did this when, you know, he talked before about such reluctance to give away, and again, I know it's not a great draft, and the pick will be like number 25, but getting rid of first-round picks for rentals. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely, the message was very different than what he was saying, and of course, it's kind of really hard to get the honest approach when you have an availability like that. And then anything can happen between now and, and March 3rd. So I was a little bit surprised by that. I was also a little bit surprised by how reminiscent this was of 2021. And while Kyle Dubas said that um, this is was going to be his approach no matter what, whether he was in the last season or not, I'm not quite sure. Getting two rentals and parting with that first-round pick is definitely not in, in the way that he's done it before. Um, I mean, with 2021 and Salino, there was a clear path to the final four with Montreal and then whoever they were going to play in that second round, and it didn't work out. So I, I am a bit surprised uh, that that they did this, but um, also not surprised just that uh, they, they've got to make this year work. Kyle Dubas said he's going to be evaluated on his whole tenure as a GM in the final year, and really there's only one way to change that narrative, and it's what they do in the playoffs this year. Last question for you, and it's kind of a technical one, so I apologize. What the hell happened on Sunday? I mean, we all wanted to, <laughs> to celebrate the, the holiday Monday with two wins against two bad teams and, and two shiny new toys for Sheldon Keefe to play with. Well, I mean, tired? Tired? Are we still doing tired? You know, so many of the guys who play the most minutes are well under 30 years old. Yeah, look, the fatigue is definitely going to be a factor here. The Leafs are going on some crazy trip where they have 11 days to play five games across Western Canada, Seattle, and New York when they come back from this little mini two-gamer. This was the first time they actually did an optional skate after having a full day off. Everyone but Matthews and Marner took it, but it was still technically an optional morning skate. And they're starting to kind of scale that back down because they're finding they're a bit too fatigued. And so it wasn't at all a surprise. It didn't help that Ilya Samsonov was admittedly dealing with stomach issues going into that game. It looked like it in terms of the way he faced some of those shots. So I think those things combined are why what happened happened against the Chicago Blackhawks. And also Patrick Kane, you know, there was a lot of bad, bad things said about him or just people were writing him off as the old, that old Patrick Kane doesn't exist anymore. So he had a bit of a chip on his shoulder to show really well, and he got a hat trick. So that's kind of hard to stop when your premier guy is, is scoring three goals against you. 
Yeah. Ugh. I just bummed out. I'm like, all right, we're going to celebrate on Tuesday. And again, just, I mean, it's still so, you know, it's still a cool story, but the trade on Friday just took a little bit away from it. Hey, really appreciate uh, David Alter. And you can check out, again, as I said, follow him on Twitter. Easy Twitter follow, D Alter. And uh, publisher and reporter of Inside the Maple Leafs, which is part of the Sports Illustrated Media Group. As always, Dave, thanks for joining the show and enjoy the game tonight. You got it, Matt. Thank you. You enjoy as well. Yeah, absolutely. That is David Alter. I got, um, I got, uh, I put down one bet, and if you go to FanDuel right now, there is uh, odds boost: Tage Thompson and Ryan O'Reilly. So it's a, it's a fun one because you know, sort of traded in essence, for each other, uh, to each record one point. Originally, that was at plus 212. They put it up to 275. I don't do a lot of heavy bets here. So I put down 5 bucks, and that could win me $13.75. So we'll see about that. Yeah! By the way, I also want to remind everyone that tomorrow's classic lotto 649 jackpot is an estimated $5 million, and the gold ball jackpot is an estimated $34 million. Text 649 and your name to 105050 for your chance to win $100 in Lotto 649 tickets with Encore. Standard message rates apply to all entries. Lotto 649, find your possible. All right, on the other side, we got a fun Tuesday top five. In honor, in honor of the NBA All-Star game from this past weekend, and for a lot of us, today feels like Monday, but I know it's Tuesday. Top five irrelevant sports events. And let me ask you, Nick, how are you feeling about your list for top five irrelevant events in sports? I'm really confident with my top three. Mm-hmm. My four and five, I'm really struggling with a five right now. I'm, st- I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. So my five is going to be weak, and I'll, I'll admit that outright. My Okay, here's how strong my five is. I didn't. I did not even include it. Don't tell me if you did, because we go in this blind. I kept the Pro Bowl off my list. I'm just saying that right now. I kept it off the list, and I've got one uh, one honorable mention that I think is fairly strong, but it didn't even make my top five most irrelevant events in sports. I'm proud of you. We will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of them might feel like I'm cheating a little bit, but you we'll always see. do. Yeah, I, I bend the rules. Bend the rules. So we'll get to that. <laughs> We'll get to that on the other side. Text to the show also, 10-50-50. What are the most irrelevant uh, sporting events for you? We'll do that next right here on Gameplay. This is Gameplay. Can I get in on that? On TSN 1050. You broke his thumb. It was an accident. <laughs> is that what you call it when somebody doesn't pay up? Embrace the odds. I want winner. King Kong Bundy always looking for that big five count. Five. And the referee obliges him. Give me a break, ref. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matt Cos, right here on TSN 1050. Brought to you by FanDuel, but on all our favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. I already got one bet out there. They uh, they boosted at FanDuel. There's a game, Leafs game tonight on TSN. Tage Thompson, Ryan O'Reilly to each record one point, and they boosted that to plus 275. So I got a $5 bet on that. We'll see if that happens. But right now, it is time for our Tuesday Top 5 in honor of the NBA All-Star Game. Top 5 irrelevant sports events. 
What do you got uh, there, Nick, at number five? I know you said you were struggling. I was struggling with this, and I I brainstormed it with JP here in the studio as well as uh, intern Stefano. And I Uh think for my number five, and this this might be a bit of a reach, so you you can throw a flag on the play here, Maddie. but I'm going with mascot games because they just seem to be getting more and more ridiculous, and the mascots are either, you know, running over children or not doing anything. These games are just... For fun, I understand that, but they're completely irrelevant at this point. I'm throwing a flag as a professional uncle, though children of my own. I laugh my ass off every time. Okay. Some child at that linebacker is just getting stiff armed by a giant mascot running through the kid. I okay. laugh every time. I have an extra one then. I'll throw it in because right. you threw oh, the flag oh, on the play. Oh, you threw okay. the flag yeah, on the play. Yeah, um, what's your I'm going one? it's a it's a soccer specific thing, but hear me out. Charity Shield matches, where the winner of last year plays the winner of the Nation Cup at the beginning of the season, and it means absolutely nothing. It's just like a random preseason game. It's the most ridiculous thing. I've never understood why they have to do it. It's the first piece of hardware, I guess, of the season, but it's, it's insane to me that they have to do it every year. Someone just texted in. Yep, no, that one I can appreciate. A relevant sports event has to be all the college football bowl games, especially the no-name ones. Unless you're betting on them, then, yeah, it's hard to keep track. Uh, Just on the outside looking in, uh, most irrelevant events in sports, the Major League Baseball draft. There's 20 rounds. You've never seen anyone play. All you do is listen to what Keith Law has to say about these players. Mike Trout was taken 25th overall. 25th overall, so that is my outside looking in. My number five most relevant events in sports. On this one, I'm kind of bending the rules, but it's an event that happens in sports whenever you or anyone else reads any comments on any social media account about what happened in sports. And then the or players reading stuff on Twitter. It's irrelevant. Stop doing it. I love when someone goes, oh, I can't believe the trolls are being mean. They're trolls. That's what trolls are meant to do. I'd be confused. Yes, I'd be confused if all the trolls descended on Twitter and sent nuanced uh, co- uh, compliments. So my number five is teams, players, or fans commenting on a social media account. Interesting. Okay, I think I know how your yeah. your uh, list is going. So well, we're gonna have to. No, see no, no. That was. Uh, don't worry. That's the most. That might be the most out there one. All right. What do you got enough. it for? Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with unnecessary outdoor hockey games because I liked I liked the idea of the Winter Classic. Once a year, you go outdoors, throw back to the roots. Why do we have seven games a year now that are outdoors at random times yeah. in random places? It's unnecessary. They're all irrelevant because most of the time when they put them in the random places, they're the ice is awful i mean everywhere it's pretty much awful but at least in some of the places you get good ice so it doesn't yeah. even feel like a real game but it counts for something and it's it's kind of unnecessary yep no that's a good one beyond the fun drone shots of the uh, stadium and everything around it i am with you uh someone else texted in greg the maple leafs first round series is irrelevant we all know how it ends that's tough greg and accurate at number four for me most relevant events in sports the event between the sideline reporter and a coach. The sideline interview coming out of a half or going into a half or talking to Ray Popovich, you never get any real information. It's bad answers to bad questions. That's my number four. 
Okay, yeah, our lists are very different. So, yeah. uh, got number three? I was going actual like game events or no, like events this, like that. This is so an that's event. How, yeah, this is an event that happens at every game. No, I know, but like that's how I'm explaining my list because I like your list better than mine right now. <laughs> my number three. How about all of these unnecessary mid-season exhibition games that we see across sports? It's more a European thing and de- definitely not one of our major four sports. But you see these big clubs in soccer or rugby or uh, basketball over in Europe. They play random exhibition matches against other teams from around the world in the middle of the season. So you're not playing your best players. Or if they do play, they play like 15% of the game and then you pull them after that. It's like it's the most unusual thing I've ever seen in the middle yep. of a year. Yep, yep, yep. That, uh, absolutely. My number three. When a team releases their third alternate road jersey, they make it out to be this big event. Look at the colors that they're going to wear twice a year. Bah! That's my number three. Yeah. No, that's a good one, Maddie. See, I like your list better than mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my number two, though, you might like this one. Yeah. How about these nine hole pro ams ahead of mm. big tournaments? Yes. Where yes, the actual one. professional golfers have zero interest in playing in these things. We know yep. that. We're fully aware of that fact. And yet we parade them out, yep. make them play in these nine-hole tournaments with some random amateur to get yep. a little bit of money. It's just, the mo- it, it looks ridiculous. They're televised sometimes, and you can just see these guys are not good players. Like, why are we putting them with pros? It's yeah. it's just funny to me. Like, I don't I, get I it. I agree. Uh, nothing I don't get. Uh, every, and it's a relevant sporting event. Gary Bettman, anytime he takes the stage to give a State of the Union event, he says nothing. He's usually rude. And we end up, everyone just has a bad taste in their mouth. My number two, Gary Bettman's State of the Union events. Again, another really good one, man. I like your list better than mine. And I don't like uh, that. I hate when my list is not even in comparison. Uh, oh, it's okay. You're number one. Come on, end strong, end strong. Oh man, I just blanked. What is my number one again? I don't know. I, I, I we're we're two very That's different what it locations is. No, right now. I was asking the guys in the room, so I turned my mic off. No. Uh, uh, okay. My number one is the Pro Bowl because it's the most ridiculous yeah, of all sucks. the All Star games. Um, I know you don't have it on your list, Maddie, but it yep. is the most ridiculous All Star game out of any All Star game because oh. because yep. Sorry, because they don't actually play. Like I no. know the NBA doesn't play, but at least you get to see cool dunks. You don't get that in the NFL because you can't really do that in the NFL if you don't play. Nope. So, yeah, Pro Bowl, number one, easy answer for me. I'm going to stick with football. There's one event that gets a, gets a full day of attention, and it is completely irrelevant. I'm not talking about the draft. Every year, NFL schedule release day. ESPN has got a thousand stories. The NFL network is speculating. We start predicting whatever team's record is going to be. On one level, it's a guilty pleasure. On the other, completely irrelevant. NFL schedule release day. We already know who the teams are. are your yeah, your you favorite team are going to play. Like. We just don't know the order. So fantastic if you're a travel agent. Horrible otherwise. Yeah, it's a, it's a ridiculous day that everyone gets super super excited about (laughs) Uh, 
And that is our Tuesday Top 5 Most Irrelevant Events in Sports. If you want, you can continue to text in at 10.50.50 what you deem as the most irrelevant events in sports. But on the other side, oh, Tom Verducci is going to join us. SIMLB writer, writer for the MLB Network, Fox, does a ton. We're going to uh, talk Blue Jays and also the team with the most pressure on them is also the team with the best players on it. And we'll get to that next right here on Gameplay. This hour of Gameplay is brought to you by FanDuel. Bet on all your favorite teams on the FanDuel Sportsbook app.